Hello out there, this is Pamela Fagan Hutchins, and you have somehow, lucky for you, stumbled across, found on purpose, Wine, Women, and Writing. This is the show where I talk with other authors about their books, their characters, what makes those character characters complex, authentic, and uh, uh, characters that we can't get enough of, especially the female characters. So today will be no exception, and I'll be introducing my guest in just a moment. But before I do, I wanted to tell you that um, I have a new book out. It is called Stag Party. It's the sixth book in the Patrick Flint series. And da -da -da -da, I do a drum roll, but that would hurt everybody's ears. I have a pop-up release coming out the week before Christmas. So watch for the fourth Katie Connell book. It's a romantic mystery set in the Caribbean called Seeking Felicity. All right enough about me. Last thing I have to do is tell you that this show is a fully owned and copyrighted production of Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. All hail Pam Stack, our producer, she from whom all blessings flow, including the blessing we have today, which is that we get to talk to Jay Viner. Jay is the author of debut novel, Jane of Battery Park, and I am really excited to welcome you to the show. Welcome, Jay. Hi, I'm happy to be here. Well, you guys, I've got to tell you because while you can only hear our voices, I can see Jane and Jane, Jay, Jane, I'm going to do it also. Jane, Jay, Jay, Jay has the most beautiful hair that I've seen in quite some time. It, it Describe your look for us. Uh, so I just did the salon yesterday because I'm going to a Comic-Con this weekend. So you, you actually... Uh, get the, the freshly blown out, uh, very long mermaid blue hair. I have three tones of uh, blue in my hair uh, and I do it basically because it gets people to talk to me uh, yeah. and I, I don't do well talking to people on my own. So if I just stand there and I look like this, people talk to me. Uh, so it's bright blue. It's very it's, fun. It really is the prettiest blue I've ever seen. Um, I had a waitress in um, Nashville last week that had a blue that was like that, but a little more electric and yours is even prettier. How, how often does that require maintenance, by the way? Uh, it depends. Uh, so the color actually stays really well. The last time I had it done was for my book launch in August. Uh, and it was still fine. I just had about an inch of root growth. And I normally would not have gone in this soon, except that I'm doing an event this weekend. Well, you're going uh, to look fabulous. Are you dressing up as anything but yourself? No, I'm just going as myself. Uh, we discussed, the panel discussed costumes and decided that we were just going to be authors. That day. Those comic cons, people, the cosplay is over the top. Um, take a lot of pictures. <laughs> I'm really hoping actually, I'm not sure how this will work with the pandemic, but I'm hoping there'll be some Game of Thrones people there who are doing hair braiding because my hair is so long that I would love for them to get all these colors like, you know, woven together and, and something yeah but I'm not sure I want a stranger that close to me right now. So I'm, I'm debating that. True. Well, um, I, you know, guys, as those of you that follow the show know, I normally have a little bit of time to chat with the guests before we go on air. And we were talking about that. We both write books from our homes in what some of you may think of as the flyover state. So uh, where are you roughly, Jay? Uh, I'm based out of Omaha, Nebraska. I stayed in Omaha three nights ago. I'm not kidding you. Really? I, I should have. I should have just stopped and said hello. We'd done a five thousand mile trip to visit our kids, and that was the last leg. We were dead oh dogs. <laughs> but it was beautiful. 
it is. It's a, it's got a lot of trees uh, and it's a, it's a nice little city. Okay. So before we talk about your book, I'll tell you the one thing that I loved most about it is it's the first time I've been in Omaha in the morning. And as we drove North on the interstate through the farmlands, the fog, the lacy, gauzy, bridal veil fog that just was flowing over the fields was incredible. Is that a normal phenomenon or did I just get lucky? Uh, that is actually a normal phenomenon. I live on the very far north of the city. Uh, and so I do actually, my suburban walking path goes in overlooking fields. And on any given day, if I time it right, I, I get that kind of view. And, and it's pretty cool. It was amazing. The things you don't see in the big city, right? Right. So now, congratulations on Jane of Battery Park. It's, it's your first baby, uh, your first novel. Has yes. it been fun to release your first? It's been really fun. Uh, I mean, it, it's such a ride to launch a book during the pandemic. Uh, but I was lucky in that I was uh, not at the beginning when everyone was trying to figure out how one does this. Uh, and so by the time we got to August, uh, things were pretty settled and I knew how to com communicate with bookstores and set up online things. And, and for me, as someone with a disability and very uh, low discretionary income, it actually worked out really well. I'm comfortable on the internet and I've gotten to meet so many cool people uh, via Zoom. Uh, it's, been, it's been pretty exciting. I actually think that, you know, since by and large, authors are not the kind of people that like to go out and talk to strangers in crowds, that this pandemic's been kind of cool for us to figure out ways to keep that from happening. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just so awesome. <laughs> but um, I really, really want to tell you too, that I enjoyed Jane of Battery Park so much. I'm getting out there and leaving my review this afternoon. And I, um, I want you to tell us about it this is always the hardest part for authors. Just a little bit about it to whet everybody's appetite and then we can dive into the characters in the story. So this is good that uh, you know, you're several months out from, from the launch date because I've had a lot of practice doing this. <laughs> I think I've, I finally got it down. Good. Uh, we'll see how it goes. So Jane of Battery Park uh, is a romantic thriller in the vein of Romeo and Juliet but without the tragic ending. So nobody dies uh, of your main characters. Nobody dies at the end. Uh, so that's, I think in a pandemic, that's important to note because we need certain kinds of books right now to counteract how the world is going. Uh, so it's Romeo and Juliet and it's in contemporary Los Angeles. So you can think of Jane as the Juliet character or she comes from a family uh, that's from the Midwest or flyover country. As uh, that is uh, basically has founded a, a grassroots terrorist organization that's putting celebrities on trial for their sins on the internet uh, in an attempt to try and reform Hollywood culture. So if you think of, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll stereotypes, those yes. kinds of things. Uh, and then the Romeo character is Daniel. He's a has-been actor uh, who is kind of in a career flux where he's trying to figure out, you know, what his options are. Uh, and he's from this family of a blockbuster movie star brother, like, you know, whoever does the Marvel superhero movies now. Uh, and so there's a lot of pressure both to support that and be under the umbrella of his brother, but also trying to make his own way in the world, especially in Hollywood. Uh, and so you can imagine how this goes with the two of them, Jane and Daniel falling in love, coming from these very polar opposite uh, subcultures in America uh, and very much trying to figure out who they are as independent entities 
uh, and their own selves outside of their pressures of their families. So, all right. So always the starting question is where in the world did this story idea come from for you? Where's the grain of boom, the idea comes to you? Uh, so there were several different uh, small explosions of ideas, uh, but the one that I think is true for how the story ended up um, actually came from watching a British television show called Spooks or MI5, I think was the British name. Uh, and there was an episode and it's, it's not speculative at all, but it was you know during the early 2000s and the British agents were trying to upset terrorist organization that was putting the 1% on trial for, for being rich and terrible people. Uh, those were a little bit more violent than what my terrorists ended up being, but I was really fascinated by this idea of vigilante justice outside of what we think of, which is superhero movies. And this right. idea that regular people, uh, kind of like modern Robin Hoods or, or whoever, were going to try and, and take some version of justice into their own hands. And I was really fascinated by that show where even though it seemed like there was an obvious right or wrong I had a lot of sympathy for those terrorists. Uh, I was part of, of the 99% the movement uh, and I was really you know, passionate about you know, social economic inequality. Uh, and so it was really interesting to have that reaction because usually that television show is not so nuanced. You have good guys and you have bad guys and that's about it. Uh, and so that's where it started, where I started thinking about you know, from my background in American culture, uh, what kind of terrorists would we end up having? What would they care about? And how would people react to them? And what I realized was that uh, these kinds of extreme uh, religious movements uh, where there's this idea that Hollywood is actually the thing that's ruining American culture because it's so promiscuous and we have terrible role models, et cetera, et cetera, uh, that actually a lot of people would, would support that. Like they wouldn't be demonized uh, as regular criminals, especially if they didn't, you know, kill anybody or have, you know, really explicit violence. And then I, I watched American Idol very shortly after that, and there were these people voting, right? You get to vote for yes. who wins. And I started envisioning this terrorist organization that was actually a populist movement, where even if you didn't quite identify with, you know, what they were doing, you still got to touch that celebrity's life by deciding if they were innocent or guilty based on the charges. So that's where it came from. And in a funny kind of way, the um, vanguard, the, the people in this religious movement become something of celebrities themselves because of releasing it, the, all the nuances and the way in which the nothing is black and white. Not, not everything is what it seems. The good is bad and the bad is good. And, and, you know, when is too far and when is not enough was just one of the things that I like best about the novel. And that really struck me is that for some of them, at least, they seem to be welcoming that attention um, that had led to the downfall, if you will, of the behavior of a lot of these celebrities. Um, so with respect to Jane, I'm going to call her Jay. I'm going to call you Jane. Um, with respect to Jay, Jay is um, an escapee from this culture. I think that's not a spoiler to say. It's in the book blurb. have to be very careful not to spoil it for people. So Jay's an escapee from the culture. Um, and for her, from my perspective at least, she's escaping because while there may have been a lot of things that the um, Vanguard was trying to do that they believed were good. 
the way that they were treating women, the way that her role was playing out was just not something that she could live with. Um, I don't know if you want to expound on that at all as I carefully step around trying not to ruin anything you don't want me to tell. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking that. Oh, how are we going to talk about this? <laughs> we can spoil a little. If we, if we make it really good, people got to go out and pick it up. And I hope you guys have already picked it up anyway, because you're supposed to read ahead. <laughs> So I think I can I can talk about Jane in terms of of where I see characters like her in other books, uh, and that won't spoil anything. Okay. So um, when I was figuring out how to market this book, I did a lot of reading in terms of of things that were very close to Jane's story, and most of them ended up being nonfiction memoir of people that had come out of extreme versions of evangelical faith, uh, with quite a lot of trauma for various reasons, whether that was. Uh, physical and sexual abuse, emotional abuse, or just not being able to figure out who they were. And it, there's often a, a thread in, in the evangelical movement that teaches children that every instinct of the inside their minds and their bodies are evil and that you can't trust them. Uh, and that, you know, as you're growing up and trying to figure out who you are as a person is, is actually pretty harmful for most people uh, where you grow up and all of a sudden you're an adult and and you don't quite know how to be an adult because you've been taught that you can't trust anything uh, inside yourself. It's like the Borg, we will assimilate you, you know, the collective. <laughs> yeah. Right, and, and so it's, it's really awesome to have a faith in, in God and then also a faith in, in the religious community, but as an individual making actions or decisions for your life, it's, it's really challenging. Uh, and so that Jane's story in that way mirrors a lot of those memoirs uh, and, and several of them uh, were breaking points that came when, when those women grew up and were in a position to have children uh, and where they could, they could survive in that faith or they could belong to it. But the idea of raising children in that faith uh, was, was a problem for them. Yeah. So similarly for, the, for that, for Jane, you know, the thing that it instigates her trying to leave and figure out who she is as an individual, whether how that relates to faith is, you know, still contested, actually. I wrote other books uh, looking at that, but she couldn't figure out how to represent that faith and that culture to a next generation. So she yeah. had to leave and, and figure out things for herself first. And and leave people that she loved and cared about that, you know, the, the, the real relationships, real family to um, protect her future unborn children. So very brave and courageous. Um, so another thing that I enjoyed about this, and I thought you handled really well is, uh, you know, we have the beginning of the book, we've got the meet cute, we've got uh, Daniel and Jane, and they're in love. And then it's kind of like, what was that? What was the movie where um, uh, they're going to meet and she doesn't show up? Anyway, older, older audiences will remember what I'm talking about. And my husband may yell it out if he remembers, um, but the woman's paralyzed. And so she doesn't show up. And anyway, and so, to remember. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. A fair to remember <laughs> or a movie whose title you don't remember one or the other. Um, so an affair to remember. So you've got that situation where they're supposed to meet again. And for whatever reasons, the meet doesn't happen, even though they both really, really felt something special for each other. Fast forward, and we learn when we re-meet that Daniel has been really crippled by something in his past, really damaged, really emotionally and physically. And I loved how 
painfully real you portrayed that and how how it, it, the impact it had on everyone around him and the different ways in which he was treated because of it from everything from the brother that goes too far and at the same time is really mean you know to just it was really spot on um and so i wanted to say thank you for that for really pulling something like that into a book and giving readers a character to care about that had that much going on well thank you yeah and uh and so with respect to these guys i think it's fair to say that it's not the um, romeo and juliet ending but that you leave a lot for us to yet envision and imagine, which I also liked that we can for ourselves decide how two people who've endured so much and who come from these different backgrounds, we can decide for ourselves whether, you know, whether and what happens with your writing now. So you've been out and you've been promoting or you've been on the commuter, computer and you've been promoting uh, Jane of Battery Park. What have you been doing with your fiction in the meantime? Are you working on a next book? Do you have one ready? Do you want to give us a teaser of what's happening with Jay? Uh, so there's nothing happening with Jane right now. Um, some of it is it's just a little bit too early. Uh, so I came into my publishing contract having written quite a bit more than ended up being in the book that was published. Uh, and so I, even though there are other books that could be Jane uh, sequels, uh, nothing has quite happened in terms of moving those towards publishing because it's still too early for my publisher to kind of make decisions on that and we haven't had discussions about rights or characters and and what is yeah. staying with the press or, or how that would go. I am doing lots of other writing. I'm always writing even when I vow to take vacations. <laughs> oh um, actually I just finished um, I think my second draft of um, what I'm calling the the Peter Pan plus Lost story. So if you watch Lost, the, the television show that uh, was was very popular a while back, where it's, you know, a very mysterious paradise island that has quite a bit wrong with it, that's, we, you know, gradually find out later. And there's a lot of questions about life and death uh, that happened later on in the seasons. Uh, and so I was thinking about Peter Pan as an adult story. So we had actually five young adult novels published this year that were Peter Pan adaptations. Who knew, right? It's crazy. <laughs> uh, so when I had this idea, I was trying to figure out if I was gonna become a YA author and that was really scary to me. So I wanted to figure out how to think about Peter Pan and these ideas about you know, our pursuit of, of everlasting life and, and what does it look like to uh, fear age in such an extreme way that this story has really enduring properties. And I also wanted to think about disability uh, and our old stereotypes of disabled people being evil and what happens if Captain Hook is not so evil uh, and perhaps even one of our heroes like Peter Pan or Wendy also needs a prosthetic uh, in Neverland and what does that look like? So I wrote that story very fast uh, in November, which is not, yeah, it is over now. So I can say uh, <laughs> on Sunday. Uh, and I'm still trying to figure out kind of what it's going to be uh, in terms of voice and style, but it's been a really interesting journey uh, to think about really heavy themes with uh, what's actually a really lighthearted, uh, simple story, uh, which is not something I've done before. Uh, and it's not a fairy tale retelling, but it's also sort of a fairy tale retelling because our main representation is Disney and, and they're the fairy tale people. So it's been really fun 
And I'm excited to see what happens. Uh, I'm excited to see what happens with that too. I mean, when you think about real life and the characters that hook us, I mean, real life is deep and dark, right? I mean, you know, our relationships are tangled, the things that happen to us and how we overcome them, who we are, who we want to be, none of that is simple. And so I love being able to dig into characters that show their, show their good and their bad side, show their dark and their light. And that sounds really intriguing to me. So good luck with that one. Thank you. <laughs> so now, now that um, the season of debut novel is, you know, in, in swing, but that next book's been written and you envision your life moving forward. Um, has it been everything that you hoped it would be in a pandemic? I mean, has it been as much fun to release your, release your, your characters and your imagination and your, your book baby out into the world? I think so. I mean, so I have, you know, very high expectations while simultaneously also having very low expectations. Uh, and somehow I function uh, my life like that. Uh, where, of course, I, I dream of, of people doing fan art and, and tagging things on social media and shipping my characters or arguing about them. And that hasn't happened yet. Um, but it is still pretty early. Usually that happens at least a year or so after things have been in circulation. So I'm still waiting for that, but it hasn't happened. Uh, the reviews have been really good. I've had a lot of support from my community and also people finding the book on the internet and through the Instagram tour. And that's been really uh, surreal and exciting to, to see people responding that way. And my editor took the book on because she called it a cult book and they didn't quite understand what that meant, but almost every single review has somehow mentioned, I love cult books. Uh, which has been really strange and, and wonderful to kind of realize what I wrote without really, I mean, I thought I wrote a, a love story. Um, which you did. It's a beautiful love did. story. Yeah. But right. that aspect of it makes it unique and thrilling. You know, that it, it is, um, I wrote one cult book too, and I was worried about it and people loved it. And I loved writing it. I loved being able to dive into that world. So I love that for you. I think it's fantastic. And it just occurred to me. So I can't do fan art, obviously. Well, no, you don't know this. I can't draw a stick figure. But one of my daughters-in-law who loves thrillers is a um, is an artist and she does digital art. So I'm going to get her a copy of your book for Christmas. We'll ah, see. They went plant a seed. Laylee. <laughs> Laylee, honey. <laughs> do some art. So, well, it has been really fun to talk to you and to have the opportunity. I read the book, I think before it was published, you've been on my schedule for a while. Um, yes. I'm sorry, it took me so long to get to you, but I read the book up front. And as you guys out there know, I handpicked my books. I only pick books that I enjoyed reading. And I think that there's something in them that you will um, latch on to and enjoy as well. And what I really loved about this book, besides that it was an authentic love story, between two people who'd been separated by circumstances, time, distance, family, most especially family. But it also is a very nuanced book that explores right and wrong without drawing judgment as other people within the book are drawing judgment. And I think that that will appeal to you a lot, those nuances. So Jane, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. I was happy to be here.
And the rest of you, you know how to find me, PamelaFaganHutchins.com, where you can see the past shows and read the books before you watch the episodes or vice versa. Whatever you do, just do read the books and support these authors. And I also want to announce that besides my two new releases, one came out a few months ago, one's coming out in a few weeks. This will be my last show for I'm not sure how long because I have taken um, a hiatus. And so you need to go back and watch the back episodes because... I signed up to do three books in the next nine months, and there's just no way that I'm doing this too. So I will catch you guys eh, in a year. And in the meantime, go out there and read a good book, why don't you? Hold on. I'll delete that last part.